The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. We have, as we have spoken before, where the war and the battle line is that we have been defeated on. We still haven't gotten it. We still haven't realized it. We were in Mass yesterday for Ash Wednesday. And in the Missalette, it talked about the dispensing of the ashes and it addressed it in a way that revealed something. The agenda that's out there everywhere in political correctness. And it said, Dear brethren, and right behind dear brethren, there was a parenthesis. It said, brothers and sisters. And then it went on to say what it was going to say about the ashes. It was a quote for that, and making the sign of the cross on the forward. The point that I make is the point that it made. We say mankind, we say these things because we know it's unity. We know it means everybody. And they say 
and they put in all the readings and even the gospel, they change the words and say brothers and sisters instead of just saying brothers. We're all brothers. We all know what that means. But they've made it a point for year after year in our missalettes that they have to say brothers and sisters. And yet they put brethren and then they put behind it what they know it means. The brethren is like mankind. It's everybody. So it's revealing to see that they betrayed their own agenda. Saying, hey, everybody, brethren that we're using here means in the parentheses, we just find it for you, that you know this. It means brothers and sisters. So I use two words when you're more efficient with the economy of words because the more you can get your point across without a lot of words, you say it. Brothers means everybody. Brethren means brothers and sisters, everybody. So the sick agenda is there and nobody talks about it from the pulpit. Nobody says we're not going to use these subscriptions to these missiles coming to our churches anymore. No bishop stands up for it. No light people stand up for it. I've written about this repeatedly, and look what happened where I was sleeping. They fired the first shot. The game that they play is words. That's how everything gets instituted and how everything changes. And we still haven't seen how the battle is fought. And we don't fight the battle. Until you get this in your head, Medjugorje people, followers of Our Lady, that everything starts with words because that's what John wrote. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh. That the Word is what he wants to change, and he's changing in the Bible, and nobody objects to it. You could think, it's my pet peeve. No, this is the battle. This is the front lines. Happy hour does not have people that's happy there, but you change it to words to mean that, and you have a lot of lonely people who think they're happy. Abominables got that three little G word there that makes you think they're happy, and it's not. And you use that word. Why do you use that instead of abominable? Name what it is. You don't have to judge them, but you have to say this action is sin. God's going to judge everybody to see what they are and why they are. It's not our job. Our job is to sit there and say, this is behavior we don't live with and we don't support by verbiage. Verbiage is everything. The devil always comes to you through words. And that's where we get to the desert with Jesus, sentences, talking to him. He went to Eve the same way. And I'm amazed that there's no appreciation for this and considering the changing of the culture, the follow our lady has to begin with that. We fight the battle at that point. And they're there, and there's evidence is everywhere that they're doing this and they're winning against us. Why is that? Today's read is entitled Major U.S. City Now Banishes. Founding Fathers. The city of San Diego is being charged with taking political correctness to a whole new extreme by banishing the phrase Founding Fathers from the vocabulary of city employees. This brings it to a new level without question, said Brad Dacus, 
the chief of Pacific Justice Institute, which raised questions about the issue with the city and is challenging its censorship. When you can't utter the phrase founding fathers without possibly losing your job and you work for government, that is a sad day for free speech. In a letter to San Diego Mayor Kevin Faulkner, Pacific Justice Institute senior staff attorney Matthew McReynolds explained the city's new visual and correspondence style guidelines, held a number of novel demands for city employees, including the banishment of a number of words and phrases widely accepted in the English language. Many Americans, including city employees, will no doubt be surprised to learn that the city considers them biased for merely mentioning ordinary words and phrases like the common man, mankind, man-made, and man-up, to name a few of the manual's parade of horribles, McReynolds wrote. Even more concerning is the manual's promotion of style over substance, to the point that employees are encouraged to omit or alter relevant research based on subjective interpretations as to whether it includes biased or non-inclusive language. He continued, Most alarming, though, is the guidelines directives on page 76 that city employees should refrain from mentioning those to whom we owe our most fundamental freedoms, the Founding Fathers. The manual's inane attempt to recast the fathers as simply the founders reaches a level of political correctness, censorship, and insensitivity toward time-honored American values that is indefensible. He said his organization has found no less than 1,500 separate instances in which the Supreme Court and lower courts have invoked the Founding Fathers. Their contributions are undeniable and their voice indispensable to understanding good government, he wrote. Dacus said, The city of San Diego has taken the PC movement to a whole new extreme, and it demonstrates how dangerous that kind of dogma can be to the First Amendment. The city did not respond to Dacus's requests through telephone messages and email for a comment, but Pacific Justice Institute noted In a section on bias-free language, the city tells workers to eliminate from their vocabulary a number of words and phrases considered gender-biased. Noting that President's Day soon is approaching, Dacus said, At a time set aside to honor American icons, to whom we owe our constitutional freedoms, it is offensive and indefensible that the city of San Diego is directing employees not to even mention the Founding Fathers. We are calling on the mayor to immediately retract these guidelines and reassure city employees that they will not be punished for being patriotic. We cannot allow this type of censorship and PC insanity to destroy our free speech. He said his organization is promising to represent without charge any city employees who are punished for their patriotic expression. McReynolds' letter offered an extended list of formal references to the Founding Fathers and said, 
a more complete list, would take hundreds of pages. We trust you will act swiftly to correct the appalling notion that city personnel should not quote the foregoing authorities or otherwise refer to the founding fathers, he wrote. Please notify us by the end of this week as to the steps you are taking to ensure that employees' speech rights are protected and the city of San Diego does not persist in discouraging patriotic expression, the letter said. See, I is disguised. Even on our side of the truth, I wouldn't say argument, is what he says is patriotic speech. That's not patriotic speech. There's an agenda here. It said, get rid of gender bias. Where is this all going to? To unnatural sin? To sin that every civilization has fallen when they reach the point of abominable living, breaking natural law? And it's not a PC movement. It's not politically correct movement. This is not what this is about. This is not going to stop until we put our foot down and don't participate. In your letters, in your writing, quit saying man or woman. Just say all men. Say mankind. You do not comprehend the power that they have by getting to use and what you write and how you letter out or speak by saying humankind. They win every time you say that. Common Core is being promoted even or allowed at least by some even many bishops in the, in the diocese across the United States. You got Donald Trump, who's very crass, who's very much against this and said he won't allow this in the schools. He sees the political correctness about it. And what does it teach? It's got a whole curriculum in there from UNESCO. UNESCO's got a whole curriculum in there to have gender bias removed. But not only removed, but all education about who you are. Just because you're born a certain way doesn't mean you can't be the other. It's amazing. And you've got legislation being put forth through Congress right now to have this mandated by law talk to children so that they have this human right to find out who they really are, boy or girl. This has happened very actively right underneath your own noses right now. And it's all from words. That's why they're trying to erase it, because they can educate a whole generation to think, just like they've done through education, a whole generation now, that socialism is okay. And we can be for Bernie Sanders, and he's going to pay for everything for us. We're being sold down the road of socialism, and many people don't think nothing's wrong with it. Because we've lost the ability to educate our own children. And so, this thing with UNESCO has been pushed, so much so that three African nations turned down a $1 billion check. Each of those nations, a billion dollars apiece. Because with it, they wanted to educate their kids to be open to another lifestyle of abomination. And they've got more common sense because they're closer to the land to see this is against natural law. And they're fighting it, and they're rejecting it. And they're coming down our throats through the words and verbiage. That's where it starts. 
G.K. Chesterton said, Education is the period during which you are being instructed by somebody you do not know about something you do not want to know. We've turned our children over to teachers that you really don't know and curriculums that you really don't even know about that you don't want your children to know. Education is the period during which you are being instructed by somebody you do not know about something you do not want to know. You don't want your children to know about this stuff. And we got bishops going along with it. And you got Mr. Politically Correct himself stopping everything, saying Common Core is bad. What's the big deal? How come we can't see it in the church? Because we embraced the brothers and sisters to sisters and brothers now, reversing everything, and nobody thinks it's a big deal. If it's not a big deal, why are they doing this in San Diego? It's a big deal. We're lost. What is our answer? We're trying everything to the government. We're saying everything about the presidents and what they need to do and all their programs and what they want to achieve. But what we're not saying is, hey, let's retry Christianity. That's what works. That's the only thing that's going to bring this nation back where it needs to be. First, the repentance. And secondly, that we Christianize every avenue of our culture without apology. Even if you're a Muslim, yes, you have the right to be that. But you're going to live in this nation by the Christian principles that guide it, not by Sharia law. You're not going to apply your methods if you're Hindu or something else. Can you be that? You've got the freedom. But your daily life is going to be a walk of laws bound indissolubly tied to Christian principles of the Christ. That works. Every great nation has prospered since he has resurrected, has flourished when they did it. And we won't do it. G.K. Chesterton said, The Christian idea has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. Is it difficult? Yes, it is. But it's just based on Ten Commandments. And the society don't want that. They want freedom. And the freedom begins to unlock the handcuffs of what they see as being restrictive and oppressive by following nothing that restricts. Freedom to do whatever you want to. Freedom to do whatever you want to think. Censorship was given by the government as an exercise to protect the morals of the people. Where's the sin of that? Dr. J.M. Kuhn wrote about this education and about what happens when you stay underneath the influence of the parents, especially the mother, and what happens compared statistically to religious vocations after you go to college or during the period of going to college, and then what happens statistically, basically, after you get out of college. He wrote, Who calls ministers and missionaries? Certainly it is God by His Spirit, but He uses fathers and mothers in Christian homes. The home is the place where the largest number of boys and young men decide to become ministers. Of 410 candidates, In our churches, one year, 287 of them decided to study for the ministry before entering college. A whopping number of those 410. 
He says, well, 85 of those were in college, studied for the ministry, and 35 after leaving college. Religion in the home is the surest, strongest influence to turn out boys and young men into the ministry. So the greatest number went straight into ministry right out of the parents' arms. And only of that 410, 35 after college, 85 during college. He goes on and says, The probabilities of a young man deciding to enter the ministry decreases as he leaves parental influences for college and decreases still more as he leaves college for the contact with the world. What does that say to you? Do you think you want to keep pushing your children to education? Because this is about people coming ministries. What about people who lose their Christianity going to college and higher education? The Christian idea has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. If you work this, if you raise your children as parents as you're supposed to, Kuhn says, what a responsibility is thus laid on the home. Amazing things, but simple. Kuhn gives the seven practical thoughts. First, children are among God's best gifts. We don't see that anymore. We think we have to send them off to college or somebody else or somebody that we don't know and to be taught something they don't know. And because they don't know it, they think they're getting educated. And they ruin the gifts of what they could be for God. Or just as a produces Christian and witnessing the Christian life. Number two, the mother is the most potent force in training the child. Three, we should early influence the child for religion and the house of God. Why is the mother the most potent? Because she forms the thought. She forms the witness of reaction to the father, God the father, the father in the home, of her respect for him, whether he deserves respect or not. She still respects him. She still obeys him, which teaches the child obedience. The father doesn't teach the child obedience. The father enforces obedience, and the father is the monitor of obedience, and the father exercises the authority to keep order or obedience. It's the mother who teaches the witness of it. Number four, every child of a Christian home should be dedicated to God. Are you doing that the way you raise your children? Are you seeing that as important? We do this in community. It's the natural result of the message of Our Lady, of what the Bible says. Train a child in the way of right and won't depart when he gets old. Number five, the child may be consecrated even in early youth. Number six, the child imbibes religion, truth by the very surroundings and atmosphere of the home. This is our problem. In the home today, Christianity, even by Christian, is untried because it's difficult to keep up with everybody else. Number seven, religious influences may be exerted before the child is born. Our Christian development ought to be of immense advantage to our children. And what happens if you do that? A lady put us on a path that we didn't know what we were doing or what we expected. She says, pray. And I, I believed in the message. I started doing that, changing my life. And what our lady did, she evolved something here. Something that evolved what they said yesterday in Mass, the priest. He was telling us about Lent. When did Lent start? We think Christians did this in the early centuries, maybe the first, second century. That's not what happened. Father said that Lent began in the 5th century. 
That's going 400 years. And it started by St. Benedict. What did Benedict do? Did he go find a monastery in the Benedictines? No, he found a place where he went to to bring order, a social order. It was never intentions of him to be a make monks out of people. I was in Italy at a place called Subiaco, St. Benedict's. That's where he started at. And the way he started at and his plans were not to institute an order of clerics, rather an organization with set rules of domestic life. This is what's evolved here at Caritas. And his domestic life was for laymen, not priests. And he did this for laymen that they would live fully as much as possible the type of life presented in the gospel. And this is what is manifested through our messages. We're a body of people. She asked for a community to be established here that we begin our work. And what was his idea of the work? With Benedict, the idea of work was a mean of goodness of life. The great disciplinary force of human nature is work. Idleness is ruin. This community that we have is known all around for its work. It's what we do. Idleness is destructive. And so our lady's coming to show us, educate our children, teach them how to work. Harvard, we've talked about this before, did a 40-year study, who's the happiest people in life. It's those who learn how to work as youth. We don't have the infrastructure for children to work. We don't have the infrastructure for teenagers to work today. It's all for a wage. And so we're so dumbed down that we come along that we're accepting our kids to be taught by UNESCO and all these agendas and all this work because we don't see, we never learn the grand way of life. And that's what we're going back to, people. We've lost that. We're bankrupt. And it's so simple. It's just right underneath our nose. I can't express to you the significance of this political correctness stuff, how it ends up and where it ends up. It was just words to Eve that he changed everything for mankind from that point to today. And it's what the devil's delivering today. Frank? Yeah, it's, it, it is true that it's, it's far more serious than, it, than people realize. And it is amazing that no one else is, is really talking about this. And there is an agenda behind this for division and the greatest and most necessary unity for the future of mankind is the family. And so the most important unity is between father and mother, between husband and wife. And so these things, there's a big agenda to, to divide and have father and mother competing or, you know, ongoing strife in the relationship. And so I always see the most beautiful thing when I uh, come to Caritas. I was able to spend a couple of days with you, spend uh, Sunday with you last week. It's beautiful to see how the families are there and how much unity there is. And it's beautiful to see that that the Father is as, as God the Father is, or in the homes it says it is in heaven. There's this incredible peace when you, you leave Caritas, it still amazes me after dozens of times I've been there, and it's always the same. The ride home is all, always incredible peace. And so it was just, it was beautiful to see. It's more on my mind now how important 
how to change your husband is for this, this unity and this strength in the family, this most important place that husbands and wives are united for the future of the world. This is something that's, that's incredible, and it's something that I think wives should take very seriously, the importance of reading this and rereading this, because out here in the world, there's such an agenda for division, and there's such an agenda, and it's so hidden, and so few people are talking about it, that women are really attacked. And I don't go any place or see any place where women are respected as much as a keratons. I mean, they're, they're very much put in a higher place there than any place else I go to. And I think it has a lot to do with how to change your husband. Well, this is a product of the women here is how to change your husband, not just the married ones, all of them. They understand the value and the power they have by really being what God made them to be. And their, their influence increases by that. It doesn't decrease. When you jock in for power with your husband or with men or saying this or that and all the things that, uh, that's out there in the culture, you lose power. The Jews held the woman on a pedestal. That woman is not on pedestal today. So this whole thing about education, the woman, the influence, is, is lacking greatly in the society and is resulting in what we see and what's hearing a lot of terms we hear lately now called cultural rot. And our lady's here because we knew this was going to happen anyway. And God sends his best, the woman, the only thing that can change our direction right now. And so the work that we do at Global Silver is, is very important. And if you'd like to reach us, you can reach us toll free at 877-936-7686. You can uh, email us at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. And our website is globalsilverinvestors.com. So we have today a thought that it was a lady who said, I come here to give you messages as never before. She said on February 14th, 1985, dear children, today is a day when I give you a message for the parish, but the whole parish is not accepting the message. What is the message? It's words. They're not accepting the words she's bringing. And she doesn't want empty words. She says, it's not accepting the messages and it's not living them. I am sad and I want you your children to listen to me and to live my messages. This is important to understand because Satan is putting his message out. He's revising. There's a book out called Thomas Jefferson Lies by David Barton. You need to order that because there's a whole assault on what he believed and propagated in the foundation of this nation that they have to erase. Our lady's here to Revive words, the word, the Bible. And that means what Jefferson did, because some of the things he did, or most of what he did with Founders Nation, was based in truth, as well as the other forefathers. Satan knows to change the nation. He has to erase all this. And if you don't wake up to this, it's to our demise. So my appeal to you today is to reflect, think, don't accept others telling you what to do and how to behave. Let your behavior be dictated by the principles 
of the King of Peace. We wish you Our Lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Medjinomic show with a friend of Medjugorje. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000.